Introducing Black Gold, the newest scratch-off game from the New York State Lottery. It's the most exciting way to win big in lotto history. Scratch off three of the same numbers and instantly win $25,000 in gasoline. That's enough fuel for three quarters of a tank. Black Gold from the New York State Lottery. Now it's only worth half a tank. Hurry up while supplies last. Gasoline, not scratch tickets. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Hi, Brian. Hello, Jack. It sure is fun talking to you here in the past. That's right, Jack, because we're recording this ahead of time since I'll be away. So, yeah, that's right. So we're recording this on Monday, March 7th. Yep. And tonight, in about uh, 13 hours, you're boarding a plane for? I'll be flying into Warsaw. Mm-hmm. Poland. Then uh, hopping in a Honda CRV from, I think, 1991, if I recall. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then driving about three and a half or so hours down towards the the border town of Premyshul. Right, right, which right. I'm spending a lot of time trying to pronounce correctly, and that seems to really be something you're focused on that I think not a lot of others are focused on. I'm because fo- my wife laughs at me every time I say it, and so I'm trying to get it right. And every time you step out of the shower, that's true. There's a lot of snickering. I'm like, is it my premature? And she's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> something else. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, got a got a long schlep ahead of me, as they say in the Yiddish business. Yeah, they, they, they do say that in the Yiddish business. Now, is a 1991 Honda CRV, is that like, is that considered like fresh off the factory line in Eastern Europe? Um, it, it, you know, yeah, it was, I mean, the, everybody in the village, when every time you just drive down the street, they come running out of their houses <laughs> and waving flags. And, and it's, it's really fun. It's like a parade every time I run to the store. That's really exciting. Yeah, they're and they're just like because they they're you know they've never seen a car with four wheels. <laughs> <laughs> what what are they used to? Uh, there's usually uh, there's two in the front, and then there's a bunch of burly guys in the back, just kind of lifting it and pushing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while the babushka driving it is steering. <laughs> she can't be asked to lift. No, of course not. But well, uh, yeah, the, the Russians did a lot of damage to Poland over the years, so they're they're making it up. So it, well, it sounds like you really uh, have it in for the Russians. I'm currently not a fan. Okay. okay. Very much not a fan at the moment. I wasn't super fond of them, uh, you know, and, and I know a lot of my Polish friends and family are, are definitely not uh, big fans, especially since their their village has a train depot, but no tracks because the Soviets stole them back in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> they literally... They literally oh, took wow. all the metal. They they lifted up because I remember when we I first visited her her town in two thousand, and I saw what looked like a train depot, and I said, and I saw train bridges. I'm like, is that a train station? She's like, well, it was. It's apartments now, and I'm like, what happened? She's like, oh, the Russians took all the tracks back to. They just picked up all the metal, threw it on the back of a truck, and brought it back to Russia. Wow, because that's what the Soviets did. Wow. So are there um, uh, are there like inbound German trains that just like. 
uh, just like a train graveyard of just trains that Amtrak they just, trains they just zoom along that just, <laughs> <And they> just <laughs> flew off the tracks. Ooh, we went too far. Well, it's funny. Um, back in when we first started, when I first started flying there, our usual the quickest route for us to get to her town, which is in northwest Poland, is we'd fly into Berlin mm-hmm. and then drive the four hours. But it was hilarious. You drive in, flying to Berlin, and then as soon as the the roads turned ultra crappy, right? That was former East Germany. Yeah, that's so funny. like you literally the the road would become garbage, and you're like, oh, we're now in the former East Germany. Wow. It's been, you know, in, the, it, in the past twenty years, they've they've you know the EU has you know helped make put in highways and everything, so it's a lot better. But it was hilarious because you could just you'd be like, oh, this is the communist road. And so, and, and I, cause I remember you used to tell me this when we worked together, um, that you could always tell that it wasn't just the roads. You could always really tell when you entered East Germany, you know, if you weren't paying attention to the roads, like sometimes if you'd stop by like a roadside McDonald's, you could tell it was like the East German side. And, you know, how could you tell you were in East Germany, like by the, by say the restaurants on the highway? Well, you'd go into the East German McDonald's and you'd walk in and say like, could I get a, a McGriddle? Mm-hmm. And he would just turn around and he'd look at the rack and the heater rack, and it was empty. And he'd turn back and he'd say, no. And I'd be like, oh, could I get just a hamburger? And he'd turn to the rack and it was empty. And he'd turn back and he'd say, no. And I'd say, well, what do you have? And then he'd lean through the rack to the guy in the kitchen and say, what do we have? And that guy would just kind of shrug his shoulders and then he'd say <laughs> nothing. And I'd say, thank you very much. And he'd be like, oh, see you next time. <laughs> see you next time. Yeah. Wow. Why would you? I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't, especially, you know, the drive through took forever because, you know, it's just, you know, it's a bunch of cars with two wheels and guys in the back lifting it up. And so, you know, they running out of energy, the longer you wait. Right. Yeah. Now I remember you pulled off one time cause you, the, you, your kids were a little bit younger and they, um, they were bored and everything, long flight and everything. So you told me, let's, let's just go see a movie. Let's just unwind. And you went to like a, a an Eastern European movie theater. What, what was that like? Um, well, it was, you know, the admission was super cheap mm-hmm. and, um, we went in there and it was the, 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 uh, it was a film called thriving about the, the Eastern European economy. <laughs> and so we sat down and we start watching it and lo and behold, it's the guy I'd just seen in the McDonald's <laughs> and he turns around and the rack is filled with food. I mean, it would Whoa. look like food anyway. Yeah. It looked like food. I mean, he didn't never opened it up or anything. It was just the aluminum foil wrapped stuff. But right. I was like, well, they, it's, oh, and he's, and he just turned to the camera and he said, we're doing great. Long live communism. And then the credits rolled. And then the credits rolled. Oof. And you know what? I mean, in, you know, I'll give credit to the, to the communists. They, they employed everybody. Their credits were an hour and 23 minutes because <laughs> just everybody had a job, no matter what their qualifications were. That's great. Yeah. It sounds like the way to do things. Apparently not because it didn't last, but you know, it was a nice effort. It is a nice effort. What were the snacks like in that movie theater? Well, went up to the snack bar. You know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I know what happened. But you said that I remember you telling me that, um, yeah, the kids are sort of like, you know, it was like a one minute movie about an Eastern European economy and hour and a half of credits. Mm-hmm. So the the kids, you were just like, okay, boys, I'm going to take it. We're going to go to a toy store. I'm yes, just going to get well, a, a nice little toy and, you know, you can play with it in the car until we get to mommy, mommy's, uh, you know, ancestral home. What was that, that Eastern European toy store like? What sort of toys did they sell? Um, well, uh, they had, there was a, they had a ball 
Um, and then they had variations in the ball, like different sizes. Uh-huh. And it wasn't on purpose. It's just because the ball factory was inconsistent in their production <laughs> methods. So some of the balls were t- so tiny little balls mm-hmm. that I looked like they were made for soccer, but were just too small to be used. And right. then just like an, an eight foot soccer ball, man, which, you know, just is, is impractical. That's strange. So it was, it was kind of disappointing, but uh, there was a place they, they said the Piotrek E cheese is okay. a, it was like a kid's, uh, kid's fun restaurant. And so we're like, okay, well let's, we'll divert the kids there. And they said they had a ball pit. Yeah. So we went there and the ball pit had like four foot balls in it, like just like six of them. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't really a pit. And the kids just kind of stood there in between the balls and just didn't know what to do. It wasn't fun. Does not sound fun. No. Now did Petroiki cheese. Uh, how do you, how do you say the first name? Piotrecki cheese. Petroiki cheese. Nailed it. Sure. Um, <laughs> now did they have like a fun little um, animatronic band in the restaurant? They did. What what was that like? Uh, um, you know, it, it, it needs electricity to run. <laughs> so when I asked them, you know, what's going on with the animatronic thing, he snapped his fingers mm-hmm. and this heavy set woman named Olga came out from the back and she hopped up on a repurposed bicycle. Okay. And she started pedaling and the band fired up for a good 30 to 40 seconds. It played some kind of anthem and then oh, okay. uh, Olga petered out and the song stopped. <laughs> Sad. God, I wonder what happened to Olga. You know, um, she was really hoping more people would come in and, and use the restaurant because she, she, that was her weight loss plan. It was like a free gym. Well, well, you don't need customers to hop on a bicycle. It's an incentive. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it is. Well, gosh, Unfortunately, it sounds like they paid her in pizza. <laughs> That's an odd weight loss plan. Yeah, and it didn't work. She's huge. I bet she is. Uh, well, you know, uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, Brian who is uh, around in Poland today, today mm-hmm. being the day we release this podcast. Hopefully he's doing well. Yeah, I hope. So. You know what's sad, though? It's uh, uh, if memory serves, that's going to be St. Patrick's Day, right? Yes, that's right. So rather than being in New York City, uh, going from pub to pub, starting at 9 a.m., just like in the good old days, uh, I will be uh, not there. I'll be there in spirit. No. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. Think of my sacrifice, Jack. Well, I, I do. I mean, I, I, I mourn for the for the true victims of this, and that's the fans of comedy who, you know, aren't getting as topical a comedy as they normally would in this episode. My apologies, but I will wear a green shirt next Thursday or this Thursday if it's out today. Hi. <laughs> Uh, great. Well, that that's uh, would be great. How, how do they celebrate? Really quickly, how do they celebrate um, St. Patrick's Day in a in a section of the world where everybody's an alcoholic anyway? Um, I mean, it's just called day. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brian, while you're off gallivanting in Europe on your little European vacation, mm. a lot of us here in America are dealing, you know, the adults, you know, we're dealing mm. with a lot of things like, for example, the lockout in Major League Baseball. What happened? Well, right now the owners have locked out the players because they're trying to come to a new um, collective bargaining agreement, a new oh. five or six year contract. So right right now it's 
you know, spring training should have started by now, but oh. uh, the players are locked out. They've been locked out since December 1st. No kidding. Uh, you know, and part of that, well, I mean, I'm surprised you, you don't know this because you're part of the Major League Baseball Negotiating Committee, right? That's correct. I am. Yeah. I am. Yes. And you should brush up on this. Yeah. You know, it's just been a, it's been a just hectic couple of months. I'm just, yeah, I'm sorry. But yes, I know it's all coming back to me now. Lockout. And we're going to work this out. We're going to make things happen. Now, now what's interesting, uh, obviously the, the big headline in the negotiations are the financial, you know, it was, you know, is there going to be like a luxury tax and how much and what pools of money go where? All, all that stuff, all that stuff sort of boring. But there also have been some rule changes and changes mm. to the game that have been negotiated during this that, that aren't getting the headlines. Things like implementing a pitch clock. Um, perhaps they're going to be wider bases, just different little, you know, pace of play type of things uh, that are mm. going to actually affect the game. Um, you know, and I was wondering if we could sort of talk about some of those things mm-hmm. uh, and, and how baseball is going to change, uh, because that's, you know, what fans are more interested in. Would you mind going over some of that with us? Absolutely. So now you guys have decided to, um, you know, with baseball, the complaint is always that it's too slow, that it's too boring and everything. Uh, but mm. you're going to try and sort of like, you know, quote, put a jolt of electricity into the game. Uh, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make it more exciting? Well, um, obviously, you know, th- there are times when things dr- kind of drag on. You just kind of sitting there just when they're taking their time and they're chewing their chew and they're spitting and they're grabbing their crotch and adjusting their cup and looking around and doing all that pitcher stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that changes when you have a sniper. <laughs> now, yeah. it's not a lethal sniper. Oh, okay. It's a paintball sniper. Mm-hmm. But you still feel it. Yeah. And it's still jarring. Of course it is. And it's alarming. And for the audience, it's actually very amusing because when you hit with a red paintball on your forehead (laughs) and you stagger back off the mound, you know, the audience gets a kick out of that. Yeah. I would imagine so. It's a high blooper potential. Yeah. So uh, with the employment of a a team sniper, Mm -hmm. uh, which will be a new position, (laughs) <laughs> um, we're, we're adding a level of intrigue to the game. Like, who's he going to take out? You know, wh- yeah. wh- is he going to you know, knock out the pitcher? Is he going to shoot the catcher and the testicles again? Like, wh- you know, where is he? Is he, is he up there? Is he over mi- midfield? Where's it coming from? Is he in a press box? It's exciting. That sounds exciting. Is, is there a way for the opposing team to sort of uh, take out or remove or, or defend against the sniper? Yes. So what we, we're, we're calling it the blind billies. And so we have four guys okay. and they're, they will be blindfolded and they'll have hoods on put over their heads, but they are given a bat mm-hmm. and it is their job to try to take out the sniper. Okay. So they will walk around swinging the bat, hopefully in the direction of the sniper. Uh-huh. If they connect and they manage to knock out the sniper, then it's a sniper free game. Wow. That sounds exciting. It seems um, like it might be a lengthy process for a, a player, a blindfolded player swinging a bat to go from the field to the press box. Yeah. That seems like a difficult journey. Yeah. A lot of concussions, uh, a lot of angry parents, a lot of spilled beverages, popcorn. It's, you know, it's a bit of a mess. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, like all things, it's new. It, you know, basketball, when it first started, was literally two baskets just nailed to the wall. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have a, a hoop or a net. So, you know, we're improvising. Okay. So the, the blind billies bring an added element of, of surprise and intrigue. And also it keeps you more alert. Yeah. You know, cause there's some blindfolded guys swinging a bat in proximity to you. You're, you're paying attention to that. You're sheltering your kids. Uh, you're fleeing up the stairs. You're, you're doing whatever it takes to, to keep yourself and your family from a nasty concussion. Wow, it sounds like pure chaos in the stands. Yep. I'd watch but that. Remember chaos is exciting. Yeah. Chaos means I, adrenaline. Chaos means views. You yeah. know, imagine a New York Post article. Watch this blind Billy take out 14 people in under 30 seconds. I'm, I'm click clicking on that. that. I'm watching it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, well, it's smart. You know, baseball doesn't always uh, make a lot of smart decisions, but it sounds like they've made one. Now, let me ask you about this. Uh, I know there are some uh, what are being called drastic changes to the umpiring, to the actual umpires and and, and the way they conduct themselves. Can you sort of talk us through that? Yep. Well, we're taking our our, basically. Do you remember back in medieval times uh, when you were being executed? Okay, yeah. It was customary to to tip your executioner. <laughs> did you know that? I did not know that. That was a thing. So you would actually give your executioner uh, a tip so that they, they do their job professionally, cleanly, one fell Clean. swoop and not accidentally like hack you in the back of the shoulders uh, multiple times and, and bring you to a grisly end. And so oh, that's a thing Lord. that was actually true. So we thought, well, maybe if you tip your umpire, things might go your way. <laughs> Now these guys got a lot of money. Uh, they've got, you know, it's you know, umpires traditionally haven't get gotten paid as much as the players. No, traditionally. And this is a way of this is like baseball equity. It's a way of leveling the playing field. <laughs> and so you're going to see your little baseball player stroll up to the mound, mm-hmm. which is not where he's supposed to be, and he's going to turn and walk <laughs> to home plate. Sports. <laughs> I know sports. He's going to take his position at home plate. Uh huh. Then he's going to rest his bat down on the ground for a sec, dig into his pocket, going to take out, you're not going to be able to see it from your distance, but he's going to roll up something and slide it to the umpire's hand. Umpire's going to nod. He's going to pick up his bat and do that stupid bat dance they do and and tap Mm -hmm. the plate and all that stuff. And then look around cocky and he's going to finally show that he's ready to hit the ball. And then that ball is going to come sailing right through a strike zone. The guy doesn't even swing at it. And the umpire just says, walk. And he's on first base for $45. 40, that's it? $45? $45. That's nothing. So, but let's, let's be clear. That's not, that's not tipping the umpire. That's, that's called bribery. Well, we're going to call it tipping in the MLB. <laughs> okay. You, you can call it that. It might be a crime. You know, but, one uh, man's, oh. one man's uh, military operation is another man's illegal invasion. You know? <laughs> It's um, just words. feel like you have that sort of thing on the mind. I don't know why. Um, uh. Okay. That's interesting. Now, and uh, I, I read something about that. There's uh, going to be like a level of quote sexiness in the dugout. Like what, how, how are you making the dugout sexy? I mean, I understand sexiness sells. It gets eyeballs, but w- what does that even mean in this case? Well, um, we're going to, you know how football has cheerleaders. Of course. Well, baseball has never had cheerleaders. True. And we thought, what, what are we, you know, obviously there's a market for that. People like this. They want scantily clad women mm-hmm. and they want them 
to do jumping around and, and to wear bikinis and have pom poms mm-hmm. and and just and big chests. Mm-hmm. But we're going to combine it to the dugout. They're going to be confined to the dugout because we know some parents baseball is a big family thing. They don't want to see these half naked ladies jumping around. Okay, but they'll be in the dugout, and you'll have access on your personal smart device to dugoutxxx.com and it will allow you to see what's going on in the dugout without dragging your family into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I and mean, it's also another is... revenue stream. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, now, I mean, cause here's the thing, the dugout is usually pretty crowded. There's a, you know, yeah. a 25 man roster and a bunch of coaches and medical staff and all that. Usually yeah. the dugout is pretty crowded as it is. Uh, with most of those people being fairly young, fit uh, yeah. uh, uh, men with a lot of testosterone going, h- how's that going to work? Well, it's going to be chaos. You know, it's going to be crazy. You're going to have, you know, young men in there and they're all hormoned up. You're going to have uh, beautiful women, uh, scantily clad, jumping around, accidentally bumping into them. And of course, everybody dodging the blind guy with the bat. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. It definitely does sound like chaos. So it's going to be fun, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Focus groups have really liked it. Where are you finding your focus groups? We outsource it to a bunch of young teenage boys <laughs> who have ADHD and love violence and ladies. Well, it definitely sounds like, uh, yeah, I mean, Major League Baseball is trying to get the younger crowd, I guess. Well, that yeah. sounds like that is what they would want. That's right. Lockout. <laughs> lockout well very good brian thanks for all that baseball knowledge i know a lot about baseball you've proven that today hey brian hi jack hi how are you great i think i don't know we're recording this in advance yeah i'm I'm gonna say you're doing okay you're starting to feel feelings that you haven't felt in a long time empathy <laughs> Yeah, I was I was thinking uh, more uh, between the knees and the belt. But yeah, empathy. That would Ah, be a new one. Or vendetta. Yeah, well, you're definitely going to be feeling that. You know, so, you know, with all the stress in the world, the gas prices through the roof and war and, you know, Brian being in grave danger. You know, I thought it'd be nice to do something to take people's mind off of things uh, by by just talking about something simple like the movies. Uh, We all know that you're Mm -hmm. a a cinephile, right? That was never proven. (laughs) No, no, this isn't your legal issue. This is the um, your love of cinema. Oh, God. Yes. Love. I love movies, Jack. And and because you're such you're so darn knowledgeable about movies, you know a lot yes. of the alternate endings of of famous movies. Would, would you mind just sort of going through uh, again some of the alternate endings of of movies? Because it's always so fun to find out what was initially planned or or even sometimes shot. Yeah. Oh no, it's crazy. They put all this time and energy into filming a different ending, and then next thing you know, they, it's on the cutting room floor, as they say. See, we, 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 normal people don't even know that phrase that that's amazing. That's right. that you could even pull that out. That's right. It's an expression and that's going to be a dying expression because there's no more, no more physical stuff to throw on the cutting room floor. That's true. Even though they, a- they would put it over a bin technically and, and to prevent it from being scratched just in case they change their mind. But now it's all digital, Jack. 
It, it, it is all digital, which is why I'm so excited to ask you about some movies that weren't digital. So I was wondering if you could maybe tell us about the alternate ending to King Kong. Yes. All time, all time classic, iconic, you know, whether or not you've seen the movie, you sort of know how it ends. Um, yeah. You certainly know Kong and the Empire State Building holding the lady and all, all that stuff. Right. Could you tell us about the alternate ending, which was apparently very different? Yeah. In the original, he's on top of the Empire State Building. That's right. And he's fighting off and he's fighting off the planes and everything, but ultimately loses his grip and he falls and mm-hmm. a thousand something feet and, and lands and dies. And that's yeah. the sad end. Yeah, it is. The end of Kong. But in the new version, he screams, and he jumps <laughs> to the World Trade Center and then stands on its roof and just starts jumping up and down and literally pushes the building into the ground. <laughs> He he just stomps it down into the into the bedrock below. Yes, oh, man, he's very strong. He was converted to radical Islam. How how did that happen? Well, because he had done a stint in prison, <laughs> and uh, he had listened to someone who was kind of a radical preacher. Right, and Kong never read the original text himself. Never oh. saw the Quran. He only saw the perverted versions, or read. It. He only heard about the perverted versions, and and he became a committed member. Of Al Qaeda. <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah. Ugh, why do people warp that religion? It's 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 a peaceful religion. It's 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 it, and so they they get this giant monkey. They they convert this giant monkey onto their side. Oh, that's crazy, man. So what? Why was he in prison in the first place? Uh, he he was involved in a pyramid scheme. <laughs> so Cog was doing white collar crime. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was doing just wire fraud and and you know general uh you know financial mischief from abroad. Man. Yeah, he was uh he was uh, stolen identity stuff. Like he was just real sleazeball. That's that's strange. That's very strange for a movie that came out so long ago. It is. Very prescient. Very prescient. <laughs> it's really impressive. I was wondering if you could tell us about um, the alternate ending to The Wizard of Oz. Wow. Another classic yes. movie. Yeah. Yeah. In the original Wizard of Oz, of course, she wakes up in Kansas and we have to wonder if it was all a dream. That's right. And in the uh, alternate version, uh, she wakes up, they're, they're driving Narcan into her chest. <laughs> Uh, Cause she's had a fentanyl fit and uh, she was on the verge of dying. Uh-huh. And so, you know, she kind of sp- springs back to life mm-hmm. and, you know, they save her, but you're left to wonder like, is she a drug addict who just got back from over the rainbow or is this just a drug addled dream? Whew. You don't know. Boy. You know, that that's grim. That, that feels that's grim why like they, a Judy Garland movie. <laughs> That's why they said, just why don't we just make it a fever? <laughs> so and, and, and you actually see like the needle like pounding into her chest, like breaking her, her breastplate. Yep. And then you see Toto, you know, looking over and his eyes just kind of like widen like crazy. It's a very funny scene. It zooms in on him. And then we do a slide whistle sound effect. <laughs> it's played for comedy. It just seemed like the right thing to do. that seems very jarring i don't i don't love that 
That was the one of the notes we got from the studio execs. <laughs> Wait a minute. You were involved in this? I read about it. <laughs> I feel like someone's brain is, is halfway in Poland right now. <laughs> yeah, someone's brain is. Wow. Okay. Wizard of Oz. So Dorothy is a straight up smack addict. She, yeah, she loves drugs. And is that established in the beginning of the movie as well? Yes. So, cause it's not, a, so? well, cause it's not a tornado that's coming. It's her drug <laughs> dealer, Bruce. And he's a hell of a man. And he's just he, whacking stuff, throwing everything in his path, punching things. Mm-hmm. And she climbs into the cellar to hide from him. Wow. And history. And, and what? And while she's while she's down there, she's like, I, I might as well at least feel good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might not get out of this, so maybe I'll just make it enjoyable. Whew, Bruce, huh? Fortunately, Kansas had really good EMTs. <laughs> that that is fortunate. Who who is um who is Bruce played by? Do you, do you remember? Yeah, I mean, in the original, it was Liberace. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was doing a lot of late 1930s movies back then. Yeah, he was super young. It wasn't believable. Now, it sounds like poor casting for a <laughs> a badass tornado of a drug dealer. Yeah, it was a very effeminate three-year-old coming after her, and it just wasn't believable. <laughs> It's like a mess. It's amazing this movie made it and became good. Yeah, no, it's a legend, legendary movie. You know, sometimes th- things fall into place. The stars align and the, <laughs> the terrible movie doesn't get made. Whew, boy, really remarkable. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us about the alternate ending to Silence of the Lambs. Woo, what a good movie. Mm. Yes. So in the original, uh, of course, you know, he, he hangs, he tells, he talks to Clarice, he's escaped. Train calls Clarice and says he's going to meet an old friend for dinner. And of course we know what that means. Of course. Um, so it basically you remember the film, my dinner with Andre. Yes. Okay. So it basically becomes that <laughs> for another two hours, but then at the end he eats him. <laughs> he, oh, that's so and, and it's that, a whole for movie that whole set, two hour. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole movie set at the dinner table for two hours. That culminates with him putting a fork through the guy's eye and then uh, slowly eating him. Hey, Clarice couldn't get there in the two hours that that dinner took. She didn't know where he was. Hey, man, he so didn't. Like tur- he didn't turn movie. on. He didn't turn on. Where am I on his Apple phone? She couldn't track him. I mean, maybe that's because it was 1991. That's right, and he was smart. He wouldn't have done it even if that technology existed. He knew what he was doing. No, yeah, he's, you know, he may not be a good man, but he's not a dumb man. That's right. Very smart, evil uh, human eater. Yeah. That's that's strange. That's strange. Uh, But does she, is he captured in the end, at the very end? No. And he doesn't tip. (laughs) You know what he said? So, no, at the very end, because he likes to use these euphemisms. Uh-huh. Like I'm having dinner with a friend. Uh, the Mater D comes over to him uh, and aghast at this grisly scene. And he just holds up a piece of the body and says, here's your tip. 
And then the roll credits. Was it like the tip of his fingers or? I'm going to leave that up to your imagination. Oh, good Lord. It's slightly blurry in the foreground. Man, that's a grisly scene for a maitre d' to walk in. So remember to, to, to tip your waiters and to tip your umpires is what we've learned that's so right. far. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of tipping. Interesting. I'm making a tipping point. It's interesting the themes we find. Now, here's an interesting one. The ending to Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they, they found a sort of a, a different ending to this. If I remember correctly, you know, one one of the guys winds up sort of killing himself. And it's a very sort of grim ending with the difficulty of being a homosexual and, and sort of being a homosexual as a, you know, as a cowboy. So it's mm-hmm. uh, all this stuff. But apparently it's a very, very different ending that was a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. Uh, well, no. Yeah. So in the the alternate version, uh, what they did was they they waited mm-hmm. uh, until Barack Obama reversed his position against gay marriage. So it's just several years. You just see them kind of a lot of scenes of them just holding hands and walking around the mountain. Right. And talk, talking to sheep and stuff. And then... Uh, as soon as uh, Obama changes his mind for political expediency, they they rush and get married. Wow! And then so, and they change the name to Mister and Mrs. Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So boy, it's too bad they they must have been so psyched when Obama was uh, uh, elected president in two thousand eight, and then probably very surprised that it took him until uh, July of two thousand twelve to reverse his position. Yeah, there's a ton of waiting. Hmm. Lots of waiting. Boy, that's an interesting ending. Um, Annie Hall. And this is an interesting one. So Annie and Alvy, I guess sort sort of it's intimated that they break up. They, you know, they sort mm-hmm. of break up at the end. But then you sort of don't really know if they're broken up for good. Will they find each other at the end? It's one of the sort of uh, kind of more open endings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember you telling me about this back in the day that apparently – the original ending that they shot was a much more uh, open and shut case of, of what happened. Would you mind telling us what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, and basically, you know, they, they get into a little discussion in the kitchen and she storms out on him and he just doesn't, you know, he's kind of doesn't know what to do with himself, but there's been this air conditioner that's been tormenting him because it makes okay. this terrible noise. Makes mm-hmm. this tar- terrible whirring noise at the most inopportune times. Okay. So he was trying to explain himself to her, to Annie. And then the thing started whirring really loudly and she misinterpreted what he said. So she storms out of the apartment. So now he's furious and he just, you see him run up and he pushes the air conditioner w- w- unit out of the window Ooh. and it plummets and it falls. And guess who was underneath as at walking by uh, Annie. Yes. So she sees it, it it falls, but it lands right in front of her, nearly kills her, startles the crap out of it. So she stumbles, she turns around and then she gets whacked in the side of the head by a bat. (laughs) No. Yep. (laughs) So uh, just a random, uh, just a random crime, like New York in the seventies, one of those random crimes. No, no. It's a guy from Yankee stadium. It was a blind (laughs) Billy. He got lost. Wow. That's different. That's definitely yeah. going to shock a lot of Woody Allen fans. 
Yeah. I mean, at least he didn't do it. Cause you're thinking like, is he, Oh my God, is he going to be responsible for her death? And, and, right. he, and he's not. Wow. Well, that's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, the, the different things that Hollywood comes up with that they don't actually wind up showing. Yeah. Sometimes for good, sometimes for, for worse. Yeah. Well, Brian, you know, thank you for sharing so much of your knowledge. I hope you share all this knowledge with um, your new Ukrainian friends. I will, as long as they understand what I'm saying. <laughs> well, Jack. Yes. Um, stay well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope, I hope you're doing well there in the future there here on March. What is uh, it? March 17th. That's yeah. Say happy St. Patty's day, everybody. Oh, happy St. Patty's day. Look, I'm wearing a green shirt, Brian. See, there you go. I'll, you know what? I should bring a, a green shirt that I can wear on St. Patty's Day in Poland. You should just wear a camouflage, Brian. I've been told not to. No, you should wear camouflage, uh, get a, a Ukrainian flag sewn on the on the shirt um, sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, put a bunch of uh, sort of makeup on, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, a camo paint. Or I can put a Russian uh, flag on my I could put a Russian patch on my jacket and then really confuse people, but also be used as propaganda in Russia. It'd be great. So like, oh, we are feeding them. See? <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's you know what they maybe, did? That's These a side bags, hustle. What? what they, they, were, they made videos of themselves handing out food, the Russian soldiers handing out food that they had looted from a supermarket. But they made <laughs> it seem like they were handing out food to these poor Ukrainians. I mean, there's, there's just nothing they won't stoop to. It's amazing. Man. Yeah. You're really hard on these guys. Yeah. Not a fan. Review <laughs> us and all that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, stay safe, Brian. Okay. I'll talk to you later. All right. Hopefully we'll have an episode next week. Yeah. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. 